Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. All right. Hey, good morning again. So, um, what's happening Tuesday? Voting. Voting. So... I don't know. I saw actually on the news this past week that it said um, seven out of ten voters have said that they feel very anxious about this. I'm one of those seven. I have my moments. I get anxious about it. I kind of wonder what's happening. And, uh, you know, we don't, uh, we don't know because you can't really, we know we can't trust a poll because they don't always come out truth, truthfully. And, uh, there's so much that's going on. And, uh, you know, unless there's a landslide one way or another, I, I even feel like no matter who ends up becoming president for this next term, um, there's going to be some political unrest. You know, there's all these rumors of things that could possibly go on. And um, the voting dynamic might be different than we've ever had it before to where is this, was this counted? Was this counted? Did... Did something happen? Was it cheated along the way? All those things are, they're very unsettling. They, they really are. They, they bother all of us. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to encourage you to do today is whether you're unsettled about the election, whether you're unsettled about the future of our country, um, or whether just life itself is a little unsettling. It is 2020. <laughs> so there, there is a lot going on. So, of course, we would have an election this year. Um, you know, what do we do? And one of the things Lori shared with the praise team this past week, sometimes what we need to do is we need to take our focus and we need to replace it with something else. And so um, what I want to do today is I want you to focus on the love that Jesus Christ has for you. And I want that to be what we'll focus on a little bit today to give you a hope. So, hey, Tom, if you would put a picture up, I think there might be a picture of a tree. Well, not that tree. That tree. Yeah. All right. So, so Lori took this picture. And one thing I do, one of the many things I love about Lori, she loves God's beauty. She loves nature. Okay. So, I, I remember one day I was walking through the living room, and I came out of my office, and I'm walking. And she's standing at the window, and she's just going, wow. And and I come up to the window, and I'm like, what? What? And she goes, that tree. She goes, it's so beautiful. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. And it, it is beautiful. It, it literally was so bright at that point that I felt like our living room was like orange from it. It was great. I didn't tell her that it's not our tree. It's the neighbors across the street. So we'll leave it at that. Just like, just like that tree, which is now pretty much empty of all of its leaves. Things change. There's an election coming. We don't know how much change we're going to experience from it. It is unsettling, the unknown, to know where our country's going to be, what's going to happen. There's a lot at stake this year. There's a lot going on. But I do know, um, Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. If you would turn in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 2, and we are going to go back to the beginning, the very, very beginning 
And one of the things that sometimes helps is getting our foundation firmed up. So that when the world changes around us and everything gets a little crazy and if things happen, where's your foundation in life? Where's your hope? Where's your, where's your peace? Where does it come from? And uh, I want us to understand that a little bit better today. So I want to start in the beginning and we're going to read about a little bit of the tree of life in Genesis. So let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray uh, this morning, God, that your message, your truth would rain out from the things that are said and done today. And that, Lord, you bring hope to all of us today. That, Father, we would get to know you, see you maybe even a little bit differently than we've seen you before in the past. And that, Lord, we might know that above all things, that we are greatly loved. And, God, you are in control. Bring us comfort and peace from your word today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you would, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verses uh, 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And of the ground the Lord God ate, God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you would then skip to verses 15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. I'm not going to read it today for the sake of time, but if we went to chapter 3, and most of you are very familiar with the story, um, it's where Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're in paradise. They're in paradise on earth. Everything's perfect. It's beautiful. There are trees there that make that one look silly. And uh, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil are in the midst of the garden, and they're beautiful trees. They're both beautiful trees. And they have everything that they could ever want, anything that they could ever need. And God said one thing. He said, don't eat of that tree. I command you, don't eat of that tree. If you do, you're going to surely die. So then we know the devil comes in in the form of a serpent. And the devil does a lot about what's kind of similar to what politicians do. Might give you a little bit of truth. But it's all wrapped up in a lie sometimes. And it confuses people. And it tempts them. And this beautiful tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, does the Lord really say you can't eat of every tree here? Like, come on. What's the big deal? Everything's here. And so we know that Adam and Eve ended up taking of the fruit of that tree that they weren't supposed to. You know, it's interesting, the Lord says, even if you touch the tree, that you would surely die. And so you think about that, and you're like, why is that? Sometimes temptation, sometimes we go to a point where you're so far in that temptation, there's no, no return. So if he knew if they touched it, that they were going to eat of it, because it was beautiful, and it smelled good, 
And it probably tasted good at first. <clears throat> um, let's read on it. If you would turn to the next chapter, chapter 3. Before we get to verse 21, one of the things that I want you guys to think about, I was, a, I was an obnoxious teenager, okay? And uh, I'm still obnoxious occasionally. You can ask my wife that, those that are close to me. So I used to always say, I even remember once telling my teacher, <laughs> I'm like, I was acting up and she said something to me and I go, hey, it's all Eve's fault anyhow. I mean, come on, it's a woman's fault. That's how obnoxious I was. And you know, one thing that we often miss is, it says that she took of the fruit and she gave it to Adam who was there with her. Did he do anything to try to say, Eve, don't do that. God's given us so much. We have everything. Don't do that. No. He was her accomplice. He didn't hesitate. He took that and he immediately ate of it. So they both fell. All right. I, cor I got corrected in life many times over. All right. Genesis chapter 3, verses 21. It says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and they clothed him. So when we go back to the story, we know that they ate of the fruit and immediately their innocence was gone and they realized that they were naked and they grabbed fig, fig leaves and they tried to cover themselves. And as they tried to then also hide themselves from God, they used to walk with God. They had fellowship with him. They had communion with him. And now... Adam and Eve were trying to hide from God. Their innocence was gone. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is actually very accurate because when they ate of it, the knowledge came to their mind of the goodness that they lost in that close walk with the Lord. And the evil, the temptations were now fully in front of them. You know, some people ask, I've, you know, I probably ask it myself too, why would God put that there? Did you ever ask that question? Why would God put that tree there? You know, God designed us in a way that we are mirrored in his image. God is love. And he wanted us to be created in his image in that way that we loved him. If I was, if I was made just to be a robot, if I just had no will, no way, my, how can I truly love? It's totally different. Some of you might say, well, I wish my husband was a robot and he'd just do everything I wanted and my life would be so much better. But yet, love is a free gift. And it's a choice. God wanted to give us a choice to live for him. He wanted a relationship with us. So, verse 21, when sin separated Adam and Eve from God, the first sacrifice, the first blood that was shed came from God. It said he made tunics of skin. Well, what happened to that to make that happen? There had to be bloodshed. There had to be an animal that was sacrificed for that sin. So the first, the very first sacrifice for sin was also given to us by God. Here's what I want us to get into a little bit. Verses 22 through 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. 
And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And if, if, you have a new, if you have a new King James or a King James version of your Bible, after forever there's a dash in your Bible. It's almost like that sentence pauses. And then we read on. It says, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. You know, I had a misunderstanding as a young person and sometimes so many people miss the character of God. Sometimes we think that when that happened in Adam and Eve's sin, that God was angry and he lost his temper and in a moment he cast them out of the Garden of Eden. He was, forget it. You've ruined it. It wasn't a fit of rage. It wasn't a moment of anger. Yes, sin comes at a cost. A debt was now owed. God shed blood for an animal, but now as it pauses there and it says, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like us, plural, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And unless we do something, Adam and Eve are going to go to the tree of life, they're going to eat of the tree of life, and they're going to live forever separated from God's love. Did you ever think of it like that? And he says, we can't let that happen. I love them. I love them. There's a consequence for the sin, but what took place here was out of love. And it's like we can't allow them to live separate for all eternity, lost from their communion and their fellowship and the love that they have with me. So let's do it. Let's put up two of the biggest, toughest angels we've got and a flaming, fiery sword and whatever happens, they can't get back in. Sometimes you have to understand and look at things in the context of God's word. You're like, Ben, are you sure that's what God meant there? I know God loves us. I know it's the most important thing. If you would turn to the New Testament, it's probably some of the most familiar passages that we will ever read. And uh, John 3.16 317. Folks, I want you to I want you to focus on God's character here. You're like, how do you know that was the intention there? Because I know his intention is shed throughout the whole Bible. It's all shared though. So these familiar verses that many of us could quote in our sleep. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When God chose to send his son into the world, verse 17 is sometimes forgot. He didn't do it. He didn't bring Jesus in here to condemn the world, but that the world might know that he, they're loved and that there's a way. You have to understand the character of God. I actually I think this is a real funny story. So, lady that's uh, part of our church family. We are standing by that door a few years ago, and uh, she goes, I am so embarrassed. And I go, what's the matter? 
She goes, um, I pocket dialed Pastor Dallas. And I didn't realize it till later. I'm looking at my phone, and it shows that I was on the phone with him for like a long time. And so she said, immediately, the thoughts went through my head, what was I doing then? And she goes, I think I was yelling at the kids. And then she goes, and then she paused, she's just being real transparent. She goes, oh, I hope I didn't cuss. <laughs> and, uh, and it was so funny. Here's the beauty. Pastor Dallas, he's not that type of guy, first of all. He's not a judgmental person. He's a loving person. And if she would have, he still wouldn't have thought that big a deal of it because I'll tell you why he wouldn't especially. He knows the character of her. He knows her. She's a godly woman, and she loves her kids and her family. So if we take that moment out of context, we might miss something, but he knows her character. And uh, I just laughed because I thought it was awesome. And uh, we have to understand God's character. If you would um, turn to turn forward in the New Testament to Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the sacrifice because this will help you understand God's love for you too. You know, one more point too when we think about how God loved. You know, the, the, one of the greatest examples that I can think of too in the Bible is when the woman was caught in adultery. And of course it was some of the people from the town, some of the religious leaders, they brought the woman before Jesus and here is God in the flesh, he's perfect. He's never sinned. And they bring this woman before them, and they want to stone her. And again, they're trying to trap Jesus, so they ask him what, it, what he would do. And we remember that Jesus got down, and I, someday we're going to find out what he wrote in the sand. And he wrote some things down. Whatever God wrote there at that moment either brought conviction or open the eyes to the accusers, or maybe it was just his demeanor of love. And one by one, they all started to leave. They just began to leave. Pretty soon, it was just Jesus and this woman. And he looks up and he says, where are those that condemned you? These people were fired up. It was a mob, and they were ready to stone her. She goes, I don't know, they've left, Lord. And, and what, is, what was his words to her? Neither do I condemn you. She had to see the love that Jesus had for her poured all over his face. He did say, go and sin no more. But he didn't condemn her. Sometimes so many people think that God's word is a book of rules, there's a lot of judgments in here. Sometimes we as Christians over the years, people have made the mistake, and I've unfortunately seen people who know the Lord go to church 
And they're the biggest driving wedge between someone finding the Lord. Because why? They're pointing out sins all the time. <laughs> Telling this person they did this wrong, did this wrong. What God do? Jesus, he loves on them, right? Let's talk a little bit more about that love. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. So when we go back into the Old Testament times, a blood sacrifice had to take place every time. We read, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So what do you mean, Pastor Ben, you read that blood has to be required to take away sins, so how come the priest's blood didn't take away sins? I don't understand. So, all right, so... I love my dog. I don't love my dog near as much as my wife does, but I love my dog. My dog stinks. He's the stinkiest dog. You give him a bath, he smells. And uh, we got out of town for a little while. I don't know if it's because he was upset or whatever. And I came home, and literally, the house was disgusting with the smell. I hate that. Oh, I hate that so bad. So have you ever walked into someone's house, maybe mine right now, and someone's got like 16,000 candles lit or they've sprayed Lysol through the place and what they're trying to do is they're trying to cover up that smell. But they're not really getting rid of it sometimes. In the Old Testament, when the priest would make the sacrifice for people's sins and that would take place, that blood covered the sin, but it didn't remove it. It didn't take it away. So that smell, that filth of that sin was there as a reminder for people that they were still living in their sins. And it reminded them that there's a penalty for their sin and that is death. And we read on, verse 12, but this man, this man being Jesus, but this man, after, had, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's talk about the love that God has for you. If we lived in biblical times, I would hate this part because the, the instruction that God gave his people was, let's say you had sheep or lambs in your property and your family and that's what you owned. And, and the idea was to go out and of your sheep and your lambs, you were to take the most perfect, clean, precious animal from your whole flock, your very best. So I could picture taking this little lamb up in my arms. And I, I'm an emotional guy. You guys know that. I cry too easy sometimes. And you have to take this perfect little lamb. I'm the guy that wants to hold the puppy. So I picked the perfect lamb from my flock. And that's what God said to give as a sacrifice for the sins. But back then it only covered it. But God so loved us that he took his only son, his only son, who he loves more than anything, and he gave him with his perfect blood and the perfect sacrifice to not cover our sins, but to take them away. That's the difference. That's the love of God. That's the amazing part about it. Let's turn to First um, Peter, chapter two. 
We're going to read verses 24 and 25. <clears throat> One of the things I want to encourage today is we look for hope, as we look to firm up our foundation, as we look to understand God better and his love for us. I, it's not an accident that the tree of life was planted in the Garden of Eden and it was spoken about in the beginning of time and that that tree, if you ate of it, that you could live forever. That we talk about a tree and then we read here 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. All that love leads to another tree, the tree of Calvary. On a tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Verse 25, I love this verse actually. It says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Isn't that a cool verse? Isn't that a great word to think that the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty is the shepherd of our souls, our eternal part. I love that part. The tree of life could not be eaten from in a fallen state. So God, out of his love, said we've got to do something to change that. We've got to change the course. We've got to protect man. Because I love him so much. And then God sent Jesus into the world to be born as a man, to experience the things and live in a world just like us, but to live a perfect and holy life and for him to die and shed his perfect blood. Turn, if you would, with me to the last book in the Bible, last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 2, and this is, uh, John is being showed this of the future of what is to come. And the Bible speaks about that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, a new paradise that's going to take place, and John's getting a vision of this. And we would all be overwhelmed if we could see the beauty of the Garden of Eden, but this is heaven. This is this is beyond what we could ever imagine. Verse, chapter 22, verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each, yielding, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree... Or for the healing of nations. I never thought about before, like, well, what happened to the tree of life? And I, you know, the Bible doesn't say, so we don't know. Did God remove it maybe around the time of the flood? I don't know. I just know that God took that tree of life. He created it. You got to remember, too, this tree of life, it's not magical. It's just something sacred that God used as a tool for eternal life. Eternal life, life itself comes from Jesus. So remember that. I think back, and I was always bothered by it because <laughs> it would be me when 
the Ark of the Covenant was being moved from battle to battle and city to city, and it was carried. Um, one day, it started to teeter and fall, and uh, it says that one guy reached out to stop it, to save it from falling, and he died because he wasn't allowed to touch that because it was holy. The Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments that are in there, it's not magical. It's sacred. It was the presence of God with us. The tree of life is a very similar thing. It's not magical, but it is something that I truly believe is a tree, and it got transplanted from the Garden of Eden, Eden up to heaven. And we're all going to see it and partake of it if we've accepted the Lord Jesus as our Savior. <clears throat> There's a verse, too, that in the last part of that, it says, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. It's a really interesting verse. I do know this. I know that as long as I'm in this flesh, as long as I live on this world, I'm unfortunately going to continue to sin. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to lose my temper. I'm going to fall to sin occasionally. I'm going to have thoughts that make you think, where did that come from? I love that, how Pastor Dallas was so transparent with us last week and how he just said, I preached a sermon and then I go to Circle K to get a pop and then the thoughts that go through my head were just awful. And he's like, where does that come from? Am I a hypocrite? What is going on? And one of the brothers in church came up to me afterwards and he said, man, he goes, it's glad to hear Pastor Dallas share that. He goes, because, man, that happened to me this week. And I go, yeah, I go, kind of only happens to Pastor Dallas and you. I go, the rest of us really can't relate to that, but you're... <laughs> Your wretched mind. No, we know. We know we're all like that. Isn't it amazing where our mind could go so quick? The healing of the nations, once we are in paradise, I no longer have to worry about <clears throat> falling to sin. I won't sin anymore. You don't have to worry about your body aches and your pains. You don't have to worry about your anxieties. You don't have to worry about the hurt that's so deep for someone you love so greatly and the loss of them. All those things are healed in God's presence. That's part of the tree of life. I'm read one more verse before we close. <clears throat> if you look to verse 14, it says, Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. Now, I don't want to confuse anybody here today, but a lot of translations of the Bible will read, um, let me see if I wrote it down here. <clears throat> the first part of that is, it says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of Christ. By commandments, we know, again, that's another thing that if we take the, God's word as a whole, doing the best that we can, it's not enough. Doing everything, trying to do everything right, it's not enough. The only thing that fills that debt of sin is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's the promise of that's the commandment that is the most important thing to keep it's that moment in your life where you said, Lord, I 
know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Now we get to partake of the tree of life forever and ever. Amen? Praise team, if you'd come up as we close. Church family, if you're visiting with us today too as well, God wants you to just know his character. He's not a, he's not a judgmental person. He doesn't react in anger irresponsibly. He's a just God. But at the end of the day, the Bible and the stories that we get to read and share and the message of the truth, this is the greatest love story that's ever been told. It's the greatest love story that's ever been told. And we know today that no matter what happens in this life, that we have the hope and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity when we call upon his name. Amen? If you would, let's stand <clears throat> as the praise team sings a song. Church, I invite you. Uh, today, if you're with us, you know, I don't, I don't know why it is, why we're in, because we're in our flesh. And, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person, I, I would hate just walking across the back there in front of you, which is odd, I know. But I would hate it just because I don't want eyes focused on me. Right now, as we, as we sing this song, just close your eyes. Just sing this song. Just think about it. Today, if you're like, I've never made that decision to accept the blood that God gave me through his son, Jesus. Don't, don't put that up. Don't feel funny about it. This, this church, we will rejoice more than anything if that's the reason that you came forward and changed your life. And I pray that you might come today, and I'll just pray with you, and we'll just do it together today. If you are not sure, like, I think I am, or I believe in God, but have you accepted him as your Savior? Have you prayed the prayer? Don't put it off. Just like Reverend Ernie was sharing about his dear sister, not everyone gets the chance to even say, I wish there were other things I could have done. Folks, this is the most important thing you could ever do. If today you're just burdened with sin, addiction, hurt, and you just want to come up and you just want to pray, this altar is open for that too. So as we sing, please feel free to come. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his Son 
to die on a cross for you. Just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.